Hello, my name is Jacob. My name is Yuma. And welcome back to the 47 Podcast. And for this week, we will be talking about Valentine's Day and White Day, uh, which I will get to, not the White Day you think of um, in this country. But before <laughs> that, <laughs> don't forget to visit our website where you can find our recipes and our episodes at 47podcast.com. That's F O R T Y S E V E N podcast.com. And then also our Twitter handle at 47cast, and as well as our Instagram account at 47podcast. And of course, if you have any questions, uh, be sure to submit them on Twitter or our email at 47podcast at gmail.com. That's F O R T Y, and then number seven, and podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Yuma. And this week, I think I uh, want to bring attention to recent events that have happened in the U.S. Um, some of you may have heard, may have not have heard, since we have listeners from quite around the world, actually, from Belgium, Australia, Malaysia, Canada. So it's good to hear um, a lot of people are listening in. Um, but I wanted to draw the listeners' attention to recent events uh, in the States that have occurred that are very deeply troubling for uh, me, of course, because um, a lot of my friends are personally affected by it in some way, and that is uh, Asian hate crimes. Uh, Yuma, do you care to explain? Yeah, so Asian hate crimes, as the name explicitly states, um, hate crimes directed against the Asian population um, everywhere around across the nation. And I'm sure many of you have already witnessed everything on news or in person of innocent citizens who are physically beaten in the streets without anything that I have like to do. I'm sorry, it's totally screwed that up. But <laughs> no worries. Yeah, but it's just especially coming after like the transition after like Black Lives Matter, it really is like ridiculous occurrence. Especially after we've witnessed so much hate against different races and we're repeating like the whole controversy again with another race. Which is totally unacceptable, and there is absolutely no reason why to direct hate on a race that doesn't have to do anything with yours, or just, or it, it's just, there, it's just nonsense, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely something to be said about how racial relations in a country that's known for being the melting pot of the world have room to improve. And, of course, I, I genuinely think what happened in Atlanta a few days ago is reprehensible. It's tragic. My heart goes out to the families who lost their loved ones. Uh, because no matter who you are in this country, Asian, Black, White, Hispanic, uh, doesn't matter what your skin color is, what your creed is, we're all Americans at the end of the day. And it's important to get along with your neighbor, to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And obviously we won't know why these people hate on the Asian community, but it definitely isn't the most rational or the most human way to be able to direct those hate physically, let alone just hate crimes itself. Whether it be physical or mental, it's not a way to bring America one together especially after witnessing so many of these in the past year or so, especially with other issues that we are experiencing now. It's just too much weight on these citizens' shoulders to be able to 
live each day without having to worry to be able to step outside and just mm-hmm. live their normal life. Yeah. Exactly. And I think um, a lot of people think this is only an issue when it gets to such extremes. And I say that this is an issue in many aspects. Um, you don't have to resort to shooting for it to be a hate crime. I think, you know, there's still is still exists racism in some forms against the Asian community in the United States. Um, I've personally experienced it a few years back on a trip to Boston with classmates, actually. Um, we're on a trip to Boston for uh, an event, a club event, and riding on the subway, I was practicing Mandarin. Uh, with my classmates uh, they were from China or American-born Chinese and you know the guy across the you know sitting across from us at the train was yelling expletives at us for you know racial slurs specifically directed against Chinese people um, for no other reason than us you know speaking Mandarin on the train and is you know telling us to speak English um, saying all these crude and you know racially motivated things, so I think there's definitely something to be said about encouraging people to open up their minds a little. Um, obviously, you know I think we've come a long way from Jim Crow in the 1960s, but I think you know the, there's sort of this illusion that it all went away after Martin Luther King, but of course it's important to look at the inside of a person and not judge by the out there not judged by their appearance exactly and obviously as we said there's absolutely no purpose you know in these hate crimes whatsoever and you also got to understand the fact that you know these people are different from you and so are you so by doing these hate crimes you're pretty much condemning all like even yourself you know kind of like because you're pretty much applying these hate crimes to, um, what's the word? <laughs> diversity itself, yeah, diversity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It really doesn't serve any purpose in hurting your fellow Americans like that. Troubling times indeed. But uh, I think now that we've touched on the subject, I think can... Move more into the main content now. Cheer up, audience, a bit. Um, today, we wanted to talk a little bit late on the schedule, but we didn't get the chance to talk about it the last few episodes. And that is Valentine's Day and White Day in Japan. And White Day might sound a little alarming, considering the subject we just touched on. Um, but I think Yuma can explain what, what exactly is White Day in Japan, Yuma. Yep. Yeah, so um, just to change up the mood a bit. So uh, moving on to a little more affectionate uh, topic for now. White Day is um, March 14th. And this is the day uh, following Valentine's Day where the boys give treats, specifically chocolate usually, uh, back to the girls. And you may ask why, what do you mean boys giving back chocolate to girls? And so going back to Valentine's Day first, Valentine's Day in Japan is a bit different from uh, Valentine's Day in the United States. In Valentine's mm-hmm. Day in Japan, girls actually give boys the chocolate. And then mm-hmm. in, during White Day, 
the boys give chocolate back to the girls that they got it from. So it's kind of two uh, mutualistic days that they um, established over a couple of years. Um, there, I'm pretty sure there isn't really too much of a purpose behind why White Day was established, and I'm pretty sure there could have been a better uh, name for that day, <laughs> considering uh, you know, uh, without anything without context, it may sound wrong, but. I I heard this could be wrong, but I heard originally it was because normally the girls or the boys give white chocolate back. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Um, um, although you you know it doesn't I I think nowadays it's not you doesn't have to be white chocolate, but mm-hmm. I, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, white chocolate is definitely common. Yeah, you're right. Um. But yeah, those days take place on Valentine's Day, the same day as. Uh, rest of the world who practices the holiday February 14th and then a month later uh, boys who receive chocolates from girls uh, or men who receive chocolate from women usually uh, give back in a sense uh, chocolates uh, back to them on March 14th on white day Um, there's I think outside of Japan Valentine's Day is heavily associated with romance um, love in the sense of a romantic partner. Um, but in Japan, this isn't necessarily the case. There's especially a growing trend, something called tomochoko, uh, which means friend chocolates. And it's very you know common for friends to buy each other chocolates with no romantic intentions whatsoever. Yeah, I think that's probably another big difference uh, between U.S. Valentine's and Japan Valentine's. I think here, at least from my personal experience back in elementary school, we bought cards from mm. Walgreens, just convenience stores, just for numbers of um, your number of your classmates, and mm. distribute them among your classmates. You know, with like a little treat, and everyone will get the number of classmates that they have in class. And obviously, nowadays in high school, college, there may be romantic intentions, but right. I think um, probably Valentine's Day in the U.S. is probably a little bit more liberal compared to. Uh, Japan in that um, obviously you mentioned the tomochoko or I think it could also be called gidichoko mm. but yeah. yeah besides that um, Japan would be you know Valentine's Day would be totally um, intended for romantic uh, intentions <laughs> as you said you know just give it to the person that you like <laughs> love as far as I know Valentine's Day is it's it's a tradition imported to Japan right it was mm-hmm. or yep. yeah Totally westernized uh, event. I'm sure the chocolate companies in Japan surely appreciate the business. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that's the reason why it got big. <laughs> but um, besides that, though, um, the chocolate companies may be you know very popular amongst uh, Valentine's Day, White Day. But um, what tends to happen during Valentine's Day in Japan is that the girls mm-hmm. make their chocolate on their own. No, to show that you know there is actually some love and affection. And what they give to the boys instead of you know spending money right. on it to show that they you know they made this out of love you know <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of romantic intentions seen in there as well and I've actually watched a video a few days ago on this um, usually obviously they'll buy the ingredients to make the chocolate um, but a lot of times. It's not. It's not too difficult. Um, I'd highly suggest our listeners actually try it next Valentine's Day, for a friend or a partner or someone they care about, uh, to take the extra step and make your own 
chocolate. I think it's worth the effort. I think they'll definitely appreciate the effort. You can buy different molds for chocolate, uh, make different shapes. You can, what normally happens is you can get different types of chocolate bars and melt them down. Sort of like, you know, metal. It's like a chocolate smith. <laughs> You're forging your chocolate into something in a creation you'd like it to be. Um, one tip I've heard that our viewers, our listeners might really appreciate is that sometimes people just end up pouring chocolate directly into a mold. And what happens is that creates a completely solid shape. If you're trying to make a three-dimensional shape, this doesn't really apply to like maybe if you're trying to make a flatter shape. But if you're trying to create like a three-dimensional chocolate shape, um, it's generally not a good idea to just directly pour chocolate into the mold um and let it sit there like a lake because what ends up happening is you have it requires a lot of chocolate first of all and then second is it's not very pleasant to bite into i've personally experienced this um where i've tried making a chocolate out of a chocolate mold and you it, it gets really tough after you freeze it or after you refrigerate it after it cools down it's really tough to bite into it it really nearly it, it ruins your teeth a bit um so there's different videos explaining how you can sort of create a shell. You want to aim for creating a shell of chocolate on the outside using the mold rather than just directly filling the mold. So it actually happens more often than you think. I've seen other people do it. I've personally done it. I'm guilty of it. So <laughs> next time you make your own chocolate, just a little heads up, protect your teeth. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, chocolate in Japan, given to people that, you know, that you may mm -hmm. like, love, and especially for high schoolers, middle schoolers on Valentine's Day, the boys who receive, you know, the chocolate. It, like Valentine's Day can be almost thought as kind of like a popularity contest. You know, the more chocolate mm. you get, the more popular you are. And oh, <laughs> it's like currency. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you may have seen, yeah, you may have seen these in like animes, maybe, like the just those specific events when that popular dude in class gets mm. all the chocolate, and there's just dudes who are watching behind the dude. Uh, seeing like none of the chocolate they, they don't like get any of the chocolate it's this sad to watch <laughs> but yeah yeah now in uh high schools and stuff like that um I, i'm not sure if you know anybody with experience but in high schools and stuff like that do they do the same sort of do, do they like assign everyone like numbers and a partner to give chocolate to or is that only just yeah, like so middle um, school or elementary. Yeah. I'm not sure. Probably modern day, uh, like current day, it's probably a little more different. But mm -hmm. Japan, Japanese high schools and middle schools usually had were like totally ignorant about those westernized events. Valentine's yeah. Day, Thanksgiving, probably and like Thanksgiving doesn't even happen. Then. What am I talking about? But like Halloween, mm. for example, like they don't incorporate any of that into their you know school their routine. They just go over that always school work. So yeah, nothing. Uh, like assigning numbers and everything is just if the girl wants to give to the boys they do it <laughs> in the hallways <laughs> after school or maybe and then yeah same goes for white day I see. Yeah. and moving off from our main topic heading over to the dinner table uh, where we take your questions or comments and give some feedback so today we have a question from a friend of mine uh, Hi Song from Illinois. And his question is, why do the Japanese sit and sleep on the floor? 
Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, there, I mean, as a Japanese person, there isn't really like an explicit meaning behind you know sleeping mm. on the floor as there is to like you know whether like if it's like sushi there would be like an actual meaning behind but for right. this one which is probably like kind of more like a bit like a standard of our culture you know wearing like yukata for example mm-hmm. and it's just um uh adapting to like the condition the weather conditions so you know cooler mm-hmm. temperature when compared to the bed um, harder surface that uh, uh, you know better posture when we sleep on the, the surface of the floor and I'm, like i'm not sure if this would be kind of like a factor incorporated into it but you would have more space in the room without a bed, you know, bed frames take up probably like max, like a third of the room. It's like right. a small room, but you know, um, you are futons were uh, used, are used currently to sleep on the floor. And those are, you know, foldable compact mm-hmm. and be able to store it away. So uh, that right. would probably, I mean, like logically speaking, that would probably be another reasoning behind why sleeping on the floor, I suppose. Right, I know space comes at a, a pretty steep premium in Japan because it's a very mountainous country, and as a result, a lot of the homes are smaller than what you would normally find um, in other countries, and so beds do do in fact take up a lot of space. So it would make sense that you might stick with futon or uh, tatami, right? Because it's something you can easily fold up, put away in the day. And then, hey, you know, your bedroom becomes your living room, right? When you don't need to sleep. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, but don't get us have... wrong, though. Like, um, not everyone sleeps on futons, like, currently. Right. It's like, yeah, a lot of people have westernized beds. But there there are definitely um, a number of people in Japan who still uh, use the futon to sleep. Mm-hmm. I've, I, I have a couple of experience sleeping on futons. So mm-hmm. first time was actually in the States. Um, staying over at a friend's house in uh, New York City. And the second time was in Japan, um, staying at another friend's place in Tokyo for a few nights. Um, I I do definitely like experience. Um, I would say I do prefer futon over bed just because I do like a hard surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier just for my back to sleep on. Um, some of you may agree. Some of you might like soft beds. In, in that case, the bed might be more advantageous. Another thing you might like about sleeping on a futon is that cold air tends to sink, right? Cold air tends to be closer to the floor. Um, and if you're someone who likes to keep it cool at night, futon might be for you. It, you know, definitely temperatures lower on the floor versus the bed. Yeah, but um, this is just additionally like a aesthetic perspective but if you want to be like fully immersed in like a japanese environment whenever you visit right. um, a hotel or anything uh, being able to sleep on a futon with a tatami mat on the mm-hmm. uh, underneath that would be like 100 percent japanese aesthetic experience that <laughs> you'll be able to fully enjoy so i know highly- um most most japanese so most japanese hotels today like business hotels Capsule hotels, they still do use normal beds, right? I think uh, yeah. if you want to get, like, the traditional experience, you'd have to find a ryokan, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would highly recommend uh, getting the experience of a ryokan, even if it's just for one night. For any of our listeners that want to have any plans for traveling to Japan, 
The thing about Ryokan is that they tend to be more expensive than the other options like business hotels or capsule hotels. Um, but they provide an experience of traditional Japanese living that the others can't. Like Yuma mentioned, tatami mats, futons. They'll even serve you, I believe, like a, like a full course meal, right? Like yes, they will. Multiple Jap like pickled fish, ginger, miso soup. All the sort of pickings you wouldn't find in a normal hotel, right? So, yeah. And another big thing, we're like going, you know, going beyond the topic of sleeping on the floor, but <laughs> uh, going bit into the ryokan that Jacob just mm. mentioned for us. Another thing that you'll be able to experience not in a business hotel, but in the ryokan, would be the hot springs and the view. I will guarantee mm. you, whichever ryokan you visit, those two will be like one of the best. Absolutely worth it. If you can, add it to your budget. Um, find a Yokan in a place that you'd like to stay for one or two. I think usually they're found out in the countryside, right? Yonaka yeah. versus the... I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a Yokan in you know Tokyo or Osaka. Um, but I think they definitely do exist, right? Yeah, I'm sure they'll. Um, there are a couple in Tokyo, you know, if you go back and um, get out of like, the urban area. Um, hmm. There should be a couple. And yes, yeah, so like just as uh, Jacob mentioned, it's definitely worth the experience. And um, I'll be saying it from my like personal experience, but you're probably missing out like on half the excitement in Japan. You know, <laughs> visit Yokohama for a couple. I'm months. definitely gonna go next time. I, I yeah. I'm I'm gonna make it priority <laughs> next time. Yeah. I will stay in Yokohama. Like mm-hmm. I I wasn't able to the first time because the budget was a bit tight, but mm-hmm. I yeah. I really want to experience Yokohama. Most definitely. Yeah, people usually tend to go to you know Tokyo, Shibuya. All the um, uh, <laughs> the hyped, I would say, yeah. you know, the places uh, all over social media. But yeah, these countrysides are one of the most serene, you know, views that you can uh, take a look at and experience. So highly recommended by both of us. Very, very picturesque. Well, thank you, Hai Song, for the question. Keep your comments, questions, and listens coming in. We'll be back next week with another episode and until then thanks for tuning in and see you next time thank you bye-bye anxiety, depression, stress, and burnout. College students like me today faced a number of mental health challenges, and in these times, seeking help from a professional or counseling has never been more difficult. That's why a group of students have developed a new way to get 24-7 access to mindfulness and well-being resources at your fingertips. Cali. Instead of other mindfulness apps which generalize your symptoms, Cali is designed to be tailored to your personal needs and its intuitive AI gives me motivational tips, workout assessments, and an ear to listen to my thoughts. As featured by Microsoft and the Clinton Foundation, Kali is an award-winning app brought to you by Press Health. Download Kali using the referral link from the description or from the 47podcast.com website 
and try Cali for a week for free with no commitments and get 10% off your first subscription.